0: Noble Experiment, by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 2, Brady's Nemesis, Dr. Olin von Grunkle. Brady sat inside his 1958 red and white Ford as the station attendant pumped the gasoline. It wasn't the best of cars, rotting on the sides and backfiring more times than not. He had never been used to this type of car as he believed in bigger and better things but gambling had left its toll on Bill Brady. Less than two weeks before, he had lost his new Corvette, and six months prior to that, he had given up his multi-level apartment for three shabby rooms in the less elegant part of the city. His mind was on all of this as he listened to the end of the news broadcast.
1: The nuclear test ban treaty, which will be signed by the United States, Great Britain, and the Soviet Union, the pact bans atmospheric testing of nuclear bombs testing in the oceans and outer space. Of course, this treaty still requires Senate ratification. Ratification expected in late summer or early fall. And that's the WVN news for 6.30 on the 16th of July, 1963. Weather will be fair and warm throughout the weekend. Highs in the mid-80s during the day and in the 60s at night. WVN news time, 6.47. Community interest note. WVEN reminds you that Dr. Olin von Grunkel, UFO expert, will be speaking at Castle University tonight in Claymore Hall. That's Claymore Hall, Castle University. Time of the lecture will be at 7.30. Donations will be accepted at the door. And now, here he is, that little green man from beyond, Chuck Ruddy. Green, I'm a little tanned. Well, welcome back to the rest of the Chuck Ready Show. We're here for about ten minutes before Cleveland Indians baseball comes your way with the pregame show. However, I've got some music for you. It's Nat King Cole and his new one, Those Lazy, Hazy, Crazy Days of Summer.
0: The attendant came to the window as the song began. Brady, still thinking about his problems, looked up at him. Two fifty. Well, he has three. Keep the change. "'Why, thank you, sir. Not at all, not at all. "'Say, could you give me directions to Claymore Hall at the university?' "'Claymore, Claymore. Now, I've heard that name before.' "'Right,' said the impatient Brady. "'Do you or don't you know where it is?' "'Well, I can't say that I don't. Let's see,' he said as Brady tried to start the Ford. "'The old engine finally cranked over, backfiring several times, and he pulled away from the station. His call was not easy to find.' He spent 15 minutes driving the Ford around campus, finally asking for directions and arriving at the Claymore parking lot several minutes later. As he turned off the key, the car kept running, sputtering violently until it shut off seconds later. He clenched his fists. His hate for the car was growing with each passing day. Picking up his blue notebook, he stuffed it in his coat pocket, got out of the car, kicked the tires, and then hurried toward the hill. Claymore Hall was a brick-faced building with white wooden pillars and tiny pane windows. People had gathered on the granite steps under the pillars, and Brady scanned the area for his old friend Bob Coffey. As he passed under the spreading elms and by the park cars, he was even more determined to follow Von Grunkel no matter what the price. Even though he had never found any impropriety on Von Grunkel's part, he assumed the doctor was guilty, and now, after all these years... He couldn't bring himself to believe anything to the contrary. As he got closer to the granite steps, he saw his close friend and confidant, Colonel Robert G. Coffey, USAF, dressed in his Air Force blues. "'Hey, Bob! Bob!' cried Brady as he scampered up the stairs to the taller colonel. "'Well, look who's here. I honestly didn't think you were going to make it, Bill,' smiled the crew cut Coffey. Who, me? laughed Brady as Coffee put his hat back on his head. When have I ever been late for anything? Really, Bob, when? Let's see, uh, there was the divisional briefing in Washington last month, the uh, news conference in New York. The trouble with you, Coffee, is you remember too much, bellowed Brady, pushing his finger into Coffee's firm stomach muscles. I'm going to put an end to that. Well, I've got something for you, Bill. You do? more exclusive forged photos of alien spaceships no 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 this isn't exclusive an interview with von grunkle grunkle only if i'm there mind you he wants to make peace with you bill after all those articles he wants to prove himself prove himself erupted brady i'm one of his last remaining obstacles prove himself he wants to brainwash me is what he wants to do Just give the guy a chance. He has the evidence now. It's not like before. Bob, I don't think he has anything. I've seen the films as many times as you have. I've talked to those people who came out of the ship. We've debriefed them. Their stories all hold up. They really do. Mind control, said Brady, tightening his lips. And why were those aliens speaking English? Bill, just try and be objective, will you? They were here to study our planet. Look, just this one time, try and be objective, or at least civil. Okay, I'll be civil, but I think this whole thing is a sham. Manufactured by Von Grunkle and his people for the express desire of gaining him and his Colin Corporation more money and notoriety. All this, Bob, at the expense of the truth, trying to sell people that alien bullshit. Then how do you explain, said the colonel, raising his voice and lowering it quickly. Then how do you explain that ship? Eighty feet in diameter? Took off and it disappeared into the sky in minutes? Out of sight? And how do you explain why humans couldn't produce such a thing right now in 1963? All it did was take off and go into the atmosphere. He's got you believing that that thing went into outer space. <laughs> Look, Bill... Do as you say, be civil, all right?" asked Coffey as he turned to go inside. Civil, 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 repeated Brady as the two men walked inside the hall. They were met by Von Grunkle's aides and escorted to a suite of rooms with Federal-style furniture and long wooden floorboards. When they had been seated, Brady took out his notebook and began to fidget with the pen. He crossed and recrossed his legs as he waited for Von Grunkle. Aren't we apprehensive? smiled Coffey as he looked into Brady's eyes. And Bill, you look tired. Brady gazed up at Coffee, half opening his mouth, but hesitant to throw all his problems on Coffee. What's the matter? Nothing, nothing, Bob. What do you mean nothing, said Coffee as he thought about their encounter below. I didn't mean to be so harsh out front, Bill. No, no, it's not you, Bob. I'm under a great deal of pressure. At the paper? No, well, I owe this guy Sidney Bishop some money. The horses again. Yes, and other things. It amounts to, amounts to about, about nothing. I owe him $33,000. Coffee's dark eyes open wide. When? When? When did this all happen? About six months ago, Bob. I'll tell you more later. Good evening, gentlemen, said an odd-looking man in his early 30s with greasy black hair and an unusually large nose. Gunther, smiled Brady, and David, He's he said to a quieter blonde man in his early 20s. David's eyes seemed distressed, mournfully calling out. Brady could sense it. He studied the young man's demeanor as Gunther spoke to both he and Coffee. "'Let me just say, the groundwork for this interview, unlike past interviews, Mr. Brady, you will be allowed to ask any question you like, and you can quote anything that is said here.' "'Yeah, now that everybody believes him,' said Brady. "'What was that, Mr. Brady?' grilled Gunther, who had an instinctive hatred of Brady. I didn't catch that. Let's get on with it, Gunther, replied Brady. Let me remind you, he began, as Von Grunkel, a man with wispy white hair, entered the room. He had a fully trimmed beard, and was slightly overweight. Oh, here's the doctor now. Come in, doctor. I just explained the ground rules, and we're ready to go. Excellent, said Von Grunkel. He had smooth white skin, and his long white hair was down to his shoulders. He had a pair of silver-rimmed glasses, which made his blue eyes seem twice their normal size. Although shorter than Brady, his loud, thick accent commanded authority. "'A pleasure to see you again, Mr. Brady!' "'A pleasure? (laughs) That's a good one,' said Brady. He refused to shake the doctor's hand. "'Well, anyways, Gunther has told you, no doubt. We are here to answer any of your questions.' "'All right, doctor,' said Brady as Von Grunkel sat in the captain's chair across from him. "'You've spent the last few years of your life trying to substantiate the existence of unidentified flying objects.' "'I have not tried to substantiate, Mr. Brady. I have just reported.' "'Let's just say you've spent many years in this area of study. "'What, in your opinion, makes the landing at Tobin Falls so atypical of past sightings?' "'Atypical?' Well, I would say that it's rather typical. These beings have been seen by thousands of people over the centuries. They're very typical. For instance, in 1957, in Arthur Holmes... No, no, hold it, Von Grunkle, hold it, said Brady as he rose and began to pace in front of Von Grunkle. I'm asking you, what is different about this landing? And I'm telling you, Mr. Brady, I don't see anything different about it. It was totally consistent. The universe is made up of thousands of civilizations. The Urantians are just a tiny representation. You're telling me there was absolutely nothing different about that ship and those clowns that walked out of it? Mr. Brady, cautioned Gunther, acting like a judge in an unruly courtroom. Please, the doctor is trying to respond to your question. Yeah, Bill, Bill, come on, simmer down. Oh, my apologies said Brady very sarcastically. He paused for a moment and then turned sharply and fired his next question at Von Grunkle. What shape was your organization in before this landing, Doctor? Oh, well, uh, I admit that we had some financial problems. Problems? That states it mildly. You were a multimillionaire five years ago. Five books on the bestseller list? Hundreds of lectures? Doctor... Where did it all go? I would point out, during the past four years, Dr. Von Grunkle has enjoyed the best of times. His sagging popularity was due mostly to people like you, Brady. People who publish false and misleading. Misleading? cried Brady as he ran up to Gunther and coffee sprang from the sofa. Bill, 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 this is supposed to be a peace meeting, not a free-for-all. Well, if they're inferring that my articles brought them down financially, that's crazy, Bob. He still had a good-selling book back in 61, and even though the lectures weren't as numerous, he was getting good money. I looked it up. My dear Brady, said Von Grunkel with a wide grin, his eyes compressed into tiny slits behind the glasses. Let us be friends. Why do you consistently deem everything I do as related toward money? I am an honest man who truly believes in his work. Ah, oh, bullshit. "'retorted Brady, walking by coffee and up to Von Grunkle. "'You may believe in your work, Doctor, "'but it's only because it enhances you as a credible figure with power and prestige. "'But let me tell you something, Von Grunkle. "'I'm not going to let up. "'I'm going to nail you if it takes me the rest of my life.' "'Brady scowled and pointed his fingers right into the Doctor's face. "'He put his pen in his pocket, picked up his notebook off the chair, "'and marched like a soldier out of the room. "'He's under a lot of pressure, Doctor.' Oh, said Gunther, who seemed delighted. The light haired David rushed over to Coffee. Colonel Coffee, Mr Brady isn't Ah uh, David, said Gunther, taking the young man by the arm. Haven't you got other duties backstage? There was a slight silence as Gunther led David from the room. Brady watched from the door. Perhaps we can have dinner later, Colonel, said Von Grunkel. Yes, that would be fine, doctor, if you'll excuse me. Of course. I shall look forward to meeting you later." Coffey left the room and joined Brady at the door and escorted him into the lobby. Bill. Brady lit a cigar and he stepped out under the front pillars. Bob, you're looking at me now and I can tell from your face you think I'm losing my mind, he said, never daring to speak about the blackouts. But you're wrong, Bob. I'm right and I'm going to prove it about this guy. It may take me years, but I'm going to show the world just what Bob Brunkel is really like. Why? coffee wanted to know because because he's a sham the sham he's thrown on the public bob this sham extends into our conceptions of the universe where we go as a society i don't think any aliens have ever visited the earth and it bill what's the real reason isn't there something more something excessive inside you look what you've done to yourself gambling look what you're doing to yourself with the paper you want more bill more and more you're never satisfied Maybe you're right, Bob, said Brady, taking the offensive. Maybe I do want more. I want to fight to the end to get more. But that's who I am. I can't change it. I don't know about that, Bill. In any event, you should slow down. Just for a little while. Look at yourself. You're tired. I mean, long-term tired. You better slow down or you'll end up in the loony bin or worse. Mark my word. And you mark my word. Vaughn Grunkle is a fraud. He put out the cigar on the white pillar and looked inside. Come on, let's get inside and see the show. Two men were brought inside by ushers and seated in the front row, which was the reserve section of the old auditorium. The rest of the people, their donations given, numbered about 5,000 and they were packed into every seat. Some were actually standing in the aisle at this one of Von Gronkel's smaller stops. Most had seen slides or newspaper photographs of the Eurasian landing. It was von Grunkel, however, who had compiled it all into a visual and audio program. And it was von Grunkel who said all along that unidentified flying objects had been aliens who visited the Earth. It was von Grunkel, despite his loyal following, who was called a lunatic by the press and scientific community. Now, in 1963, there was documented proof on film and tape. He was doubted no more. They gathered in Ventura, Indiana, as they did everywhere, to see the man who had foreseen it all. Von Grunkel walked onto the stage, overshadowed by a large motion picture screen. The crowd, with the exception of Bill Brady, rose to its collective feet. It was a thundering and bizarre demonstration for this man who had made it back to the top. Coffee applauded ceremoniously, glancing at the thoughtful Brady. But Bill Brady was a man possessed as he stared at Von Grunkel. Not only was he envious of the doctor's newfound fame, but he was very attentive of his moves, trying to pick up on any trait that would give away his credibility. Von Grunkel, however, was a vindicated man, and his credibility was intact. The applause died down, and Von Grunkel, microphone in hand, strode to the center stage. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for that wonderful offer. I only hope that this kind of response will be forthcoming in my support of the movement, the movement to contact intelligent life around the universe. Please remember that occurrences like this one I am about to show you come around only once in a thousand years. Aliens do not readily land their crafts in such a densely populated area, but landings happen all the time usually in more remote portions of the world. Brady started to look around the stage area as Von Grunkel repeated the same words that Brady had heard so many times. To the right of the stage, staring at Brady, was Von Grunkel's aide, David. Brady looked directly at him, but David quickly turned his head in a seemingly instinctive gesture. Brady raised his brows and turned back to Von Grunkel. The doctor was addressing the good fortune of the landing. In Tobin Falls, California, population 5,000. But just talking about this extraordinary event does not do justice to the piece of history you're about to see. The date, June second, 1963, Tobin Falls, California. Thank you. Once again, the applause rumbled in the auditorium and von Grunkel left the stage. The lights were dimmed and several numbers flickered on the screen along with the focus pattern. Soon a dramatic picture in full color of the Crab Nebula filled the front area. Amidst the backdrop of classical music, von Grunkel narrated the audio portion of the film.
1: Are we alone?
0: He asked as a series of galaxies, stars, and expanding nebulae passed by the audience.
1: Man has contemplated question for ages and ages since the beginning of time on this planet i'll be alone
0: the music and slides continued for several minutes ending with a finale in an instant the scene switched to von grunkel as he stood in the town square of tobin falls california he was dressed rather casually in a red flannel shirt and white chinos as he walked along the grass and spoke into the camera
1: My hypothesis and my genuine belief that man is not alone in the universe. I have always believed this. Even as a youth in Millhouse. I never had a vast repertoire of scientific proof or equations. Rather, I had a faith of what is and in something more substantial. Human observation. The words from those sighters who had witnessed the first various spacecrafts from around the galaxy. But unfortunately, their accounts were often fuzzy, as were many of the photographs. So I am sorry to say they were outright forgeries, until now. For here, on this screen, on the 2nd of June, 1963, an alien spacecraft landed and returned to Earth. Ten people who had been missing came back. What you are about to see is a unique event in human history fun that we may never see again. Now, here is the way it happened on that sea June day two months
0: ago. Still photographs, each accompanied by a blast of kettle drums, were shown on the screen. All the slides had one object in common, a smooth light gold disc over 80 feet in diameter, preparing to land on the very spot where Von Grunkel had been standing. The scene was hectic. As the camera zoomed in on the ship, an audio soundtrack compiled from a number of sources was dubbed onto the film. The audience could hear a low, vibrating hum as the actual moving film began. Shaky at first, the film showed people surrounding the craft at a discreet distance, yelling in panic. Although most people stayed back, one man did go forward. He reached out, running his fingers along the base of the ship. The audience gasped as this man was promptly repelled by some kind of charge, landing on his back several feet from the ship. Brady inhaled deeply. He had seen the film almost twenty times, and the thrill had worn thin. Looking to his right, he saw Von Grunkel's aide, David, staring at him. In the subdued auditorium light, the young man motioned him to come backstage, and then disappeared behind the curtains. Hey, Bob... Brady whispered to Coffee. Coffey bent his head toward his friend. Bob, I have to do some investigating. I'll be right back. Coffey nodded, content to watch the film one more time. Brady left the front row and hurried up the center aisle. The film quality of the Eurasian landing was drastically improved as a television crew helicopter landed across the square. Minutes later, seconds on the film, an opening appeared at the bottom portion of the hull. Ten human beings, relaxed and confident, walked from the spacecraft and onto the green grass. An intrepid reporter rushed up to greet them. Are you people all right? He asked, stepping through the crowd. A balding man about 60 came forward to speak for the group.
1: I would like to say, on behalf of the others, how privileged we all feel. We're honored to have been a part of this historic Flight Flight? Flight, sir. Along with my fellow human beings, we've spent more than six months with a race of beings called the Eurasians from a star in the constellation Hercules. Aliens?
0: Inquired the reporter.
1: You mean to tell me you're the first humans to contact alien beings? No, sir. Just the latest. Hundreds of star systems have sent blights to Earth for over a billion years. We assure everyone assembled here that all questions will be answered in a press conference to be arranged for a later time. Then we will tell our
0: story. Before the balding man's last words left his lips, the audience in the auditorium, as well as the people on the square, gasped. In the opening of the spacecraft, stood 5 bronze-colored beings with hairless and slightly oversized heads. They had no nose, Glowing red eyes and a tiny mouth. The one on the left spoke in a buzzing tone in English.
1: We are most encouraged by what we see. The human race has much potential if it progresses along the same path it is now taking.
0: Another Eurasian stepped forward.
1: Although we are not prepared to work alongside of your race, we will advise you from time to time. Earth, along with us.
0: third being came forward.
1: It is only through the belief in the supreme master of the universe, the one who sets the timepiece of history, can all his creatures throughout the universe exist in peace. We know you are anxious to talk to your fellow human beings. We now return them to you, and they will send our message to you around the planet.
0: The last two Eurasians nodded their heads slowly as the three speakers moved back. Without delay, they returned to the inside of the spacecraft, and the door was closed tightly. People rushed forward frantically as the balding man tried to maintain order. Please, everyone stay back. The ship is about to leave. We don't want any injuries, he yelled as the police surrounded the ship. The humming of the ship pushed both the police and the people back. The camera remained fixed on the resonating ship as it smoothly started to leave the ground. As it rose over the common, the crowd converged inward, unabetted by the police. The ship, now several hundred feet into the air, roared upward and away into the blue sky as it disappeared from sight. The frame of the film froze and quickly switched back to Von Grunkel, standing alone on the same spot several weeks later. I realistically never thought that I would live to see the day
1: that millions of people around the globe would be able to witness proof at last that we are not alone.
0: He said as a still photograph of the aliens filled the screen. The music began to play, and the film credits rolled by. Von Grunkle returned live to the stage at the same time Brady stepped backstage. David, extremely nervous to the point of outwardly shaking, was standing at the end of a narrow corridor. Brady walked over to the young man, but David saw him coming. He rushed over to Brady first and handed him a card. Take this, he said as he tried to pass Brady. Brady, however, grabbed the more fragile man by the arm. What do you mean, take this? THE HELL'S GOING ON HERE? I CAN BE REACHED AT THIS NUMBER, HE SAID, POINTING TO THE CARD. SWELL. SO WHAT? IT'S BEEN A MURDER, HE SAID, BREAKING THE GRIP AND RUNNING A FEW STEPS. BRADY CHASED AFTER HIM, GRASPING HIM BY THE SHOULDERS AND TURNING HIM AROUND. MURDER? BY WHOM? CHECK THE PAPERS. IT HAPPENED THIS AFTERNOON. CAN'T TELL YOU any more. GUNTHER WILL SEE US. I KNOW WHERE YOU'RE STAYING. I'LL CALL YOU AT TEN O'CLOCK. JUST TELL ME WHO AND WHERE pleaded Brady. Indianapolis, said the frightened young man as he ran away once again. Indianapolis, repeated Brady. His first impulse was to run after David, but he didn't want to endanger the young man with Gunther. In order for David to get further information to him, he would have to play by David's rules. He wanted to run on stage and publicly accuse von Grunkel wasn't because he had any ingenious insights. Rather, it was the deep-seated hatred which had sunk in his soul. Join us next week as a noble experiment by Robert P. Fitton continues. This has been a production of Fitton Theatre of the Words.